Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. For the final time, it's episode seven. We wrap up the captain. Jacko is with me. And, buddy, I, I couldn't do this pod without you. There's no way we were going to do the first six. We didn't get a screener for episode seven. You're enjoying vacation. Even though episode, what, seven came out on Thursday? I said, nah, the hell with that. I wait for my guy. We got to finish up strong. What's up, buddy? Hi, buddy. I, I appreciate that. You're like Jeter. You're all about the loyalty, you know, and I appreciate that. You could have ditched me, but you were loyal. You know, you're not like it's not like Jeter and A-Rod, our relationship. We're so rock solid here. That's absolutely. Good. And listen, you know me, uh, I'm going to take care of my guy and maybe Derek Jeter has rubbed off on me. Um, I had Nikki Tatura yesterday on the podcast comparing Jeter to his brother. So, you know, everything's coming full circle there these days. Everything's coming full circle. Um, Before we do episode seven. And I know you were away. Did you see any of Jeter with A-Rod in the K broadcast last night for the baseball game? You did not. I did not see it live. I saw some highlights, as it were. I saw some of their repartee afterwards on Twitter. 
but I did not see any of it live, no. It seems like they're definitely on better terms. They're not on great terms, but you can just tell how appalled Jeter is at the, like, awkwardness of Alex Rodriguez, like, every step along the way, whether it's A-Rod grabbing his leg, whether it's A-Rod talking about, like, the the people not voting for him with the Hall of Fame. Like, that dynamic that played out in this docuseries, seeing it after the fact, you could just tell, like, certain mannerisms of Jeter. He was just like, yeah, this guy is a... This guy's a looney tune, man. He's a looney tune. I'm glad to see Jeter kind of bury the hatchet a little bit because he spent so many episodes of this documentary kind of murdering A-Rod and bringing up the the bad blood and the past, you know, awkwardness and everything. So it is cool of Jeter to go there and, and go on with A-Rod and the A-Rod and K show. And, you know, it's good for A-Rod, to, you know, because who got bashed pretty good in this and didn't come across as the greatest guy in the world in this documentary for him to to let that, you know, let bygones be bygones and move forward. And, you know, in the last episode last night, I know we're jumping ahead here, but, you know, his wife talked about how they probably, Jeter's wife talked about how they should probably just go somewhere without cameras, without anything else and just talk it out. And, you know, maybe they did that. Subsequent oh, I guarantee to you that happened. You know? Guarantee yeah. that happened. Right. And I do think what happened Sunday and the idea that Jeter and A-Rod kind of had these private conversations that is a direct reflection, I think, of Hannah Davis. Because I think if it was Derek and Derek by himself, I do not think he'd be going down that road. Just saying. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, it seems like, you know, there's a lot a lot of things. in You know, he kind of settled all the business in Episode 7, I think. Like, even with Cashman before the Hall of Fame. And I don't know if it was being married or becoming a father or having kids, whatever it was. But he seems to have sort of, like, and, you know, a lot of this documentary, uh, the previous episodes, he talks about, you know, it's loyalty. And he 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 if you say something bad about him, he could remember like what you were wearing and where you were and what the weather was. And, you know, it seems as he's gotten older and had a family, he's kind of let some of that stuff go and, you know, call it maturity or just like, you know, getting older and realizing, you know, the small stuff doesn't really matter. Um, but he seems to have kind of let that go. So maybe that's a part of that process. I mean, you know, be it from his wife or his kids or whatever. But. I think he's kind of put all the bad blood behind him, which is good as you get older. You know, you realize he a lot should of that shit be letting matter. some of that stuff go, even right. with Cashman. And listen, you and I have our complaints with Brian Cashman. Don't get me wrong. But like Cashman's the architect and the part, maybe not G. Michael esque, but, you know, he traded for Knobloch. He traded for Roger Clemens. He, you know, went out and made a lot of moves when Jeter's on the team winning all the time. You know, Jeter's right. a part of the Yankee family. Cashman, no matter what happens, is going to be a part of the Yankee family. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, Jacko? Get over it, for goodness sakes. It worked out great for Jeter. <laughs> Cashman's doing A-OK. Get over it. I mean, enough. And I, you know, the other thing that changed there, too, was that Jeter became part of management, right? He became an owner. So all of a sudden, he's on the other side of the table when it comes to arbitration and negotiation. So I think that was part of it, too, to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe Cashman wasn't so much of an asshole and it wasn't really personal. It was just business, you know? It was just about trying to save money for the team or do the most cost-effective thing for the Yankees. And Jeter was doing the same thing for the Marlins. And, uh, you know, some of that probably was a light bulb too and clicked for him like, hey, wait a second, you know, maybe maybe this is what you have to do in that role, you know? So that probably helped with Cashman a bit too, I think. And I think he admits as much. So they start this episode where they picked up the end of episode six and it's Derek Jeter's last season and more specifically his last game at Yankee stadium. And I was there, Jacko. That's one of those games you're never going to forget. No. And I remember all week, the question was the weather because the Yankees were eliminated like the Monday or Tuesday prior to that game. 
So it was the last home game of the regular season, and the forecast was just awful. I'm shocked they didn't mention this. Awful forecast. I'm wondering, all right, well, what happens if this game gets rained out? Are they going to make it up even though it doesn't mean anything? Like, it's Derek Jeter's last home game. And in typical Jeter fashion, 90% chance of rain, 7 o'clock rolls around, sunny skies, beautiful October night or September <laughs> night, Clouds and, and everything comes up Jeter. Right. For that game, though, you know, Jeter gets to hit. You're going through it. You're chanting his name. You're, you're feeling the nostalgia you did with the Mariano game. But the ninth inning happens, and I'm like, are they going to pull him from the game? How is this going to play out? It is the best blown save, hands down, in the history of the New York Yankees. Robertson giving up a couple of home runs, tying the game. And then the ninth inning hits Jacko, and you're like, he's going to walk it off, isn't he? Like, right. we're all looking at each other when he's up. With a runner on second, it was, I'm like as corny and as cliche and as Hollywood as this is, this is exactly how Derek Jeter's career should end at Yankee Stadium. And it's it's really incredible the way it worked out. I mean, Sterling from everybody from Sterling to Kay to Jeter himself, they all talked about it's like a bad movie script, right? Or Sterling says it's like a movie from the 30s that you wouldn't believe and a producer wouldn't buy the script because... You know, the big thing in that game, like you say, the Yankees were eliminated. So you're going to have Jeter go out for the ninth and, you know, they want to orchestrate an ovation for him. Right. They want to bring him off the field like you do for an NBA player or NCA player in the NCAA tournament. You know, a guy that's been with the school for four years and they, they go put him on the court. The coach calls a timeout so he can get an ovation. One of the things this documentary didn't cover that I think was one of the great moments in recent Yankee history, you know, in the last 15 years or so was when. Mariano's last game when they sent out Jeter and Pettit. Oh, to I take was him awesome. I was at that one too. That was awesome. Tears, tears in my eyes at home. So, you know, that's what they did for Mariano. And you know, they wanted to orchestrate something like that for Jeter to have him have his moment and have multiple curtain calls and the whole thing. 50,000 people, you know, probably like a 10 minute ovation. And then because the way the ninth inning goes, they don't get a chance to do it because Robertson blows the save. Now, if they were, you know, they were one out away, they probably wanted to bring him off the field with two outs to have his moment. And then they seal the game. And that's all she wrote. Then they tie it up. And now you can't take him out of the game because he's going to come up again in the bottom of the ninth. It's absolutely incredible. Only only Jeter could have this work out for him like that, where, you know, this great moment is his ovation is possibly gone. And he ends up with an even bigger, better moment that they couldn't script. And I love the part about Showalter where he was going to walk him. And then he said, you know, I know I'll never make it to the bus if I put up the four fingers and point to first base. You know, um, that, that's incredible because that's obviously the smart baseball move. But he knew, you know, history required something a little different. Good, good job by Buck. Yeah, good and, job by Buck. And it helps that the Orioles had already clinched the AL East and they had nothing to worry about when it comes to that particular game. And fitting um, that it's full circle with Buck at the beginning with Jeter and then he's there at the end. Not in the Yankee dugout, but he's there on the field. And as he said, I was there for his first hit and I was there for his last hit. That's pretty incredible. And that game, Jacko, when he walked it off, like I've been at like Yankee celebrations when they've won playoff series. Like it was just as good that night. Like, and it was weird. It was surreal. It was one of those like weird right. feelings being in the ballpark because you knew the Yankee season was a bust and you're wondering about, all right, well, what's the future? What's the direction of the organization? But that night, man, like stands the, the Bronx was partying like the Yankees won the World Series, for goodness sake. Right. Send it Even off though to they weren't right going to the playoffs. Way. Absolutely. Then he deserved it and it was incredible. And 
like every other moment in his career and like really i guess his life it's 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 he's been touched by magic or touched by god or touched by the gods or whatever it's just it's incredible the way stuff works out for him and a lot of that is the product of hard work but some of these things it's just like you know it's karma it's destiny it's it's aura and mystique whatever it is the yankee you know the yankee magic whatever it is he's he's got it no question about it then we get to Jeter post playing career and you know a lot of the stuff that went on with his his little girl and the difficulties they had in that pregnancy, I was not aware of. Me either. I, I don't know if that was public knowledge. I don't know if that's something I missed. But I, I wonder if that plays a role in softening him up. And then the other element, Jacko, is his takeover of the Miami Marlins, where he gets to live this, this lifelong dream in addition to being this Hall of Fame baseball player. He gets to go and be a big league owner, and he's a big league owner of a team that is notorious for getting rid of everybody. They did it in 97 after they won the World Series. 2003, they win. They try to keep guys, but they couldn't put people in the stands in Florida. They have to sell off a bunch of those guys. You name the list. Uh, Doncho Willis and Miguel Cabrera and uh, Beckett. On and on we go. They get rid of all those guys. Anyway, Jeter takes over. And what I didn't like, and I'm annoyed they didn't address this, I wish they would have asked Jeter more specifically about the idea of him taking as much heat as he did for sending Stanton to the Yankees. Because that was yeah. not brought up Un- in the documentary. Like, they kind of said, oh, they traded Stanton, they traded Yelich, they traded... I wanted direct combo of, hey, Derek, you used to play for the Yankees. You made a deal with the Yankees. What was that about? Like, I, I-, I wish that was asked, to be honest. I was waiting for it. I figured it was going to be there because that was a, that was criticism that was lodged at the time. Like, oh, Jeter, you know, Jeter put put his this player, uh, you know, the NL reigning NL MVP on a silver platter for his former team, that the only team he played for in his career, and he gave him to him for uh, Cat, Starling Castro and um, was it Starling Marte? Who did they trade him for? No, no, no they traded Castro a, and a Castro bag of baseballs, basically. And a bag of baseballs, yeah. right. And, it, and then, you know, the Yankees picked up his salary. But I think the Marlins even ate a little bit of the contract. But yeah, they did. that was they never did. addressed. And, you know, a lot, and, you know, it's his prerogative. It's his documentary. But he took a lot of heat when he took over the Marlins because he allegedly got rid of, like, longtime beloved scouts. Well, they got rid of Conan. They got rid of Billy right. the Marlin. They, they, right. they did a lot of stuff where he took. Like Derek Jeter, who is this conquering hero, he's larger than life, he's untouchable from a criticism standpoint. Well, he goes and takes over the Marlins, and everybody was giving him all sorts of shit. And for right. some of it, Jacko, let's be real, deservedly so. Yeah, and he comes in as an outsider, and he comes in and he basically takes a blowtorch to the organization, you know, getting rid of Stanton and Yelich, you know, all the guys that were their, their future. And then, you know, Yelich goes on to be phenomenal. Stanton is, you know, Stanton. And yeah, he did. And it's it's funny to me to watch when they, you know, they had a thing about Michael Jordan and both he, both he and Jordan, you know, Jordan's the greatest ever. Jeter's one of the greatest ever. And they were both phenomenal players and owners, you know, Jeter. Yes, they got to the playoffs within three years. But, you know, the Marlins are not a juggernaut. I'm not sure they're in a better place now than they were at the time he took over. You know, Jordan and the Hornets, they they haven't done anything. So it's like these guys that were great players, you find out when you're an owner, you don't have that same uh, magic that you had on the court or on the field, you know, which is kind of a unique, unique circumstance, I think, to where 
some other hats or other shoes and see that it's not that easy to build a winner and you can't just snap your fingers and make it happen. And, and you know, Jeter, you know, he he got to be the, you know, the principal owner or the face of the franchise, but which was good for him because it was, you know, it was some of his money, but certainly it was like the the billionaires, most of his money. But he went out, you know, he posted the money and he let Jeter take all the heat for these things, you know? Because Jeter, you know, he's going to draw the most media versus some billionaire who nobody really knows outside of the business pages. And so Jeter, you know, he really got the short end of that deal, as great as it was to be an owner, which was his dream, and to be the first African-American owner in baseball, which is an achievement in itself. But he took a lot of shit for being an owner there and took a lot of heat for things that he did. And maybe it wasn't things that only he did, but he took responsibility for it. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's no question. Um, I'll tell you another critique I had in this episode. They made it seem like the Marlins in his tenure were like this franchise on the up and up. They're glorifying the 2020 postseason when eight teams made it. It's a dopey 60-game season, for goodness sakes. And they right. won a best-of-three series. Some of the stuff Take that was easy. in there, and right. I get it. It's his documentary. They don't want to make him look like a total boob as an owner. But my right. goodness, Jackal, I'm watching some of this stuff, and I'm like, this is this is a little tough to take, to be honest. A little tough to take. Yeah, he did not build the Marlins into like, you know, he. I, I'm not, not like sure he rebuilt. the playoffs in the World Series every single year. I mean, they had one no. year where I think they made the playoffs and they were like a 500 team in a 60-game season. Now, I don't know enough about their farm system to know if he's like built their farm system into yeah, something amazing like or whatever. Yeah, it looks like it's better but, and they got pitching. Uh, I'll give yeah. them that. I'll contract but, some other guys. 
but they still have no fans that go to games. They did nothing to boost attendance in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure who their superstars of the future are. I guess their pitching staff is halfway decent, but um, it you know it just always it was always a weird thing for me. Like and they kept showing it last night, where it's him and Posada in the owner's box, and Donnie baseballs there on the on the bench, and it's like Yankee South, but without the success. It's just weird to see those guys and you know, wearing different uniforms is still an odd thing for me. So um, I'm sorry it didn't work out for him, but I'm glad that he's uh, he's not in the Marlins anymore. He's a Yankee. Gut feel. Does Derek Jeter own a baseball team ever again? I say no. I say no. I think he'll be involved in some capacity. I, I can't really see him being a GM. I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't really think about that. You know, he may be big enough where maybe he'll be like an ambassador for baseball, almost like in the commissioner's office or something, you know, not necessarily like the role Tory had where he was the disciplinarian, but like something, you know, the commissioner will create some role for him to be sort of the face of baseball and like, you know, the, the, to market it and get it to kids and inner city communities or whatever, like to make baseball's appeal a little bit better. I could see him doing something like that before he would be an owner. And of course, the thing that it was always, you know, wondered about was would he ever want to own a piece of the Yankees, you know, or be a part of the Yankees organization. But, you know, the, the thing is, like, you know, Larry Bird in basketball, he never wanted to be a part of the Celtics organization because he was afraid it would hurt his legacy. No, as you would Celtic. ruin it. Listen, right. Jekyll, I that's the way I feel. I don't want Derek Jeter ever involved in ownership with the Yankees, right. because if I have critiques and I have issues, it, it takes away from that appeal. It's like. You can get random guys to go and manage the Yankees who play for the team. Like Girardi. Donnie's your guy. Like, would I take him over Aaron Boone tomorrow? Yes, that's obvious. <laughs> but, like, the point being is I know I'm going to have my issues with whoever manages the team. And, like, I I, I don't know. I don't want that, like, spoiled from Donnie right. or Jeter or any of those icons standpoint, you know? And if you ever had a fire, if you ever had a fire Mattingly, like, that would be the worst. I think no, it's a little it different. Suck. And guess what, Jack? I got news for you. If he gets the job, it's probably going to happen at some point. It's inevitable. Right. Absolutely. I think it's a little different if you're in an ownership situation. You know, if the Steinbrenner sold Jeter a piece of the team and he was a minority owner, but he was the front face. Oh, you of don't the mind that because then he's not really thing. around. Then he's not really around. I can't. Uh, I don't know. As if uh, you just you drag him out and you have him wave from the owner's box every now and again, and you, he could quell the fans, you know, ready to riot. I think that would be a role for him. I'm not sure he'd want it, but I think they would be open to that. This episode, very sad. With the Gerald Williams stuff, oh, man. Just horrible. I mean, that breaks your heart. Just I mean, horrible. Gerald Williams, who is this young, vibrant guy, and he's all over the documentary. Right. So Gerald made it when worse. He's talking right. in the documentary, Harder. you could tell he's still got some life in his voice, but he looks very frail. He looks yeah. very weak. Uh, and he ends up passing away with cancer. I mean, my good like and they were super tight. Like, I didn't know that about Gerald Williams and Jeter until right around his three thousandth hit. Because yeah. Gerald Williams would be around him. They did that HBO documentary. And right. He's like hanging around and whatnot. So then I kind of like connected the dots. But to see that, man, that was Jack, that was rough. Dude. That, that was, was terrible. Rough. And, you know, Jeter, we keep talking about how he's, you know, been kissed by the gods and everything. But like anybody else, he's been he's dealt with tragedy and scary situations. You know, we you talked about the thing with his wife, with the birth of their second child. And his wife had health problems that we never knew about. I never knew that his daughter was that premature. And then, you know, all this goes on while he's he's struggling to be the new owner of a of a not great franchise. 
And then his best friend dies of cancer. And he talked about, you know, I can only imagine how hard that is when he was one of the last people to see him alive and said, he, you know, he visited with him and had to say goodbye to him a few hours before he passed away. I mean, that's just, that's just horrific. It's just, you know, no matter what kind of a golden boy you are, life interferes, unfortunately, you know, and Gerald Williams has just gone way, way, way too young, way too young and a vibrant athlete, you know, a speedster for the Yankees that he, like you say, he was all over this documentary. I remember, you know, when he, I heard that he died, I was shocked because I had no idea that he was sick and I knew he was you know, close with Jeter and you always figure these athletes, you're not going to die young like that, you know? So yeah, that's just horrible. And then they, you know, had that in there in the last episode. That was rough. Definitely. And we talked about the idea of Jeter mending some fences with Cashman, with A-Rod, a lot of the themes that are hit on in this documentary. Yep. That's got to be a main reason, too. Whether it's Gerald Williams, his wife's influence, being a dad now. How classic is it that Jeter ends up with all girls? That's like that's going to be like me, Jacko. When I have kids, I've already guaranteed I'm getting, if I have two, I'm probably getting two girls. Guaranteed. Well, Guaranteed. that's what I have. I have I too am a girl dad of two daughters. So just like you know, just me and Jeter, two great Yankees with fathers of two girls, just Naturally. like that. Yeah, so, two great right. dads, so, the whole deal. Right, yeah. the whole nine yards. But yeah, it's funny to see Jeter like with the kids putting makeup on him. And I saw a thing on Twitter. It wasn't in the documentary because it was recent, but on Twitter, I think it was a week or two ago, where his daughter's painting his fingernails, and he's you know he's out there and they're painting his fingernails, and it's funny to see that side of him and like. You know, to the extent I thought about having children when I was a young guy or whatever, you always assume you're going to have a boy and, you know, you're going to teach him to throw a curveball or hit a hit a baseball or throw a football or shoot a basketball. And then you go to the doctor and they say you're going to have a girl and you're like your whole world has to change. Your whole worldview has to change. But being a girl dad is fantastic. And you can see it in Jeter. And it, it, it does really it, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, because it really does change your life and it changes your life for the better. And you can just see like. You can see his humor with them. I've seen it on Twitter with stuff he posts with them. And, you know, he was always like so stoic and reserved. And he was definitely a face that he wanted to present to the media and to the public. And with his girls and being a father to girls, you can definitely see his softer side that I think he only shows to those closest to him. I have a hard time, Jacko, with this episode coming up with award winners. You know, I was thinking about it. Like, yeah, my, my favorite moment, without a doubt was seeing him get to hit at Yankee Stadium and, like, going through, like, the K and, you know, the Sterling call and, like, yeah. all of the ridiculous nature of that final game. That, to me, was my favorite moment. There aren't really any Corleone moments in this episode because it seems like Jeter, it, it's very, like, full circle, I'm mending fences, I'm being the bigger person type of deal. Um, That, to me, is definitely not a theme uh, I mean, you could say the Corleone moment is because he talked about he wanted to be an owner and he, he has to fly all over and find the money and put the group together to become an owner. But that's just business. That's probably not Corleone. I was I was grasping at straws trying to come up with a Corleone moment. But they're really aside from that, there wasn't one. He wasn't like there was no vengeance or like no laying down the law or anything. So, yeah, I, I liked the I obviously liked the the hit, the final hit at Yankee Stadium. And then, I, as I've already mentioned here, I'm a sucker for a montage. So then they went right after that. I like when he goes back out to shortstop and makes, you know, looks up at the sky and like one final acknowledgement of shortstop. I liked when he said, my legacy is that I was a Yankee, that he only played for the Yankees and only played one position, which very few guys can say. That was great. And then I'm a sucker for these montages. And then they did the montage right after that of all his great Yankee moments. And I was like, this is, this is fantastic. I, it was right in my wheelhouse. Hit me right where I needed to be hit. It was great. The montages throughout this entire docu series were phenomenal. 
uh, the That's Live, the Bob yep. O'Reilly one, the yep. one at the end of this episode. Like, they were so, so good, dude. Every so single good. one of them well was done. so good. Well done, yes. Now, this is going to be tough. We got to rank these episodes. Favorite to least favorite. And you're picking some, you know, moments. And we, I, I can guarantee you this. We know which episode is going to be last, right? Like, that, Absolutely. that's a given. Episode five is going to be last. That's an That's easy call. Absolutely. But your favorite episode, Jacko, one through seven, what was it? I'd say probably episode two, because that was really like the, you know, 96, what was that? 96 through like 99-ish or 96 through 98, which was like the glory years. I would say that was my favorite because it was like the dynasty that had the Bob O'Reilly thing. That was my favorite part of the 98 Yankees. Uh, you know, that that was good. I like that. Um yeah, the 2004 stuff was definitely my least favorite. Um, I would say after an episode two, I would probably go episode one because the Donnie baseball stuff, 95. I like that. doesn't have a good ending, but I like that. Um, the, the, you know, the stuff in the middle, like the two, you know, September 11th and the Mets series that those were up there. Last night's episode was good. I liked the first half of it. The second half, I, you know, it was okay, but you know, I'm more about him as a Yankee and his post-Yankee Marlin stuff. You know, it doesn't do much for me. I understand it has to be covered, but, you know, I'm a Yankee guy, so I'm, I'm going to be all about the Yankee stuff. Totally get it. So for me, my favorite was episode three because it had the Mets stuff and it okay. also really featured the Alex Rodriguez dynamic and the beginning yep. and the end of the falling out. They really were front and center on that. I thought that was super juicy. So I'm going to rank that number one. And it also had the whole Yankee Red Sox ALCS, which I loved okay. in, yeah, that was in, good. in 1999. I'll yeah. go that one, number one. Number two is the first episode because it was spectacular. You know, Buck, G. Michael, him sitting on the bench, him kind of making his mark in the minor leagues. I'll put the first episode number two. The third one, I'm going to put the 96-98 one because, listen, there's some... Great tidbits in there. It's the glory of the Yankees. Uh, a lot to a lot to digest. That'll be number three. Number four, I'm gonna put the um the 2009 into the okay, injury yeah. into 3,000 hits. I yeah, really I like agree. that one. So I I'm gonna agree. put that, that four. I'm gonna put the September 11th one five, and then the last two are easy. Sit. The last episode is six. And the 2004 episode is, is is dead last. I mean, I wish that one didn't exist, but, you know, that's a story for a different time. <laughs> that's history. You know what else was a good thing last night, which was kind of a cool thing when they brought it back to, to just to go back to last night's now that we've ranked him. I liked when he was waiting for the phone call for the Hall of Fame and they flashed back to him waiting for the phone call to be drafted. With his father going nuts. Yeah, With his father cool. going nuts both times, you know, like that was that was great to talk about full circle. You know, there were so many so many full circle moments, be it Buck there for the first hit and the last hit at Yankee Stadium. Like you're the two big moments in his career. He's waiting for phone calls. <laughs> you know, it's out of your control. So he's waiting for the call from to be drafted, and then he's waiting for the call from the Hall of Fame. And of course, he gets the call both times because he's Derek Jeter. So, and he deserved to. So, buddy, seven episodes. We did it. We uh, did it. Award winning stuff. I know, you know, the, the Ringer has a history of doing these sort of docuseries. And listen, uh, I know this one was right up Bill from Los Angeles's uh, wheelhouse. You know, I could tell how giddy he was, by the way, to tweet out like episode five pictures. I was like, dude, where well, you been the he first was. four episodes? Yeah, the first really. time he tuned in, right? 
Right. Yeah, I, I no, wish it's I good. could actually talk more shit uh, on his behalf, but you know, his team just beat ours two out of three. So I'm going to keep that to yeah. a minimum right now. We got to, we got to just move along. Absolutely. Um, Unfortunately. The next time we have a conversation, we went through the glory years. We went through all the ins and outs of Derek Jeter. Uh, you got to come back on the podcast next couple of weeks because we got to figure out what the when God's name is going on with the Yankees. My goodness, what a disaster! What a disaster! Let's talk, let's talk more about the documentary. <laughs> I, I, wow, that's all you need to know, Jackal. I'll see you in a few weeks. Really, I can't thank you enough. You were great. Thank uh, you. You're you put good. Your time, the best. your effort, all that good stuff into it, and the listeners and myself especially, we really appreciate it. I had fun. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. You're the best, JJ. Tremendous job by Jacko. Stefan, great job putting these all together. Great uh, job. I hope everybody Stephane. enjoyed the captain. Uh, we got New York, New York coverage all week. And next week, Subway Series. Looking forward to that. All right. Boys are out. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.